been an interesting last few weeks because God has really been speaking to me about the vision of the house and making sure that, you know, I need to make sure that we, we stay true to the vision that God has, has given us. You know, the vision that God gave me or the, you know, the purpose of our church was to bring the fire of God by teaching and demonstrating His love and power. You know, it's so funny that today in the church, we don't even talk about the fire anymore. You know, but I, but I remember being in, in, a, you know, in church in, in, in Stuart and, you know, God had spoken to me about the church. Nobody had known what God had put in my heart as the vision for the church, but I knew what it was immediately when God spoke to me about planting this church. And um, this man came up to me at the end of a service on a Wednesday night. I was preaching on a Wednesday night. He came up to me and he said to me, he said, you're going to go to Vera Beach. He said, you're going to go and start a fire. And I truly believe that's our, our purpose. And if you don't understand what that means, well, the Bible tells us that we should let our light shine. If there's no fire, there's no light. If you have no fire, you have no nothing. So you need to shine and we need to let our light shine so that others can come that are in darkness. The Bible says where the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. You need to be light bearers. So everywhere you go, you bring light and healing and deliverance to those who need it. That goes for your household, that goes for your business, that goes for your school, that goes for your, whatever you do for fun, out in the, the river, fishing, it, you know, some people go to gym all day, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you like to do, be a light in that place. And the only way that you can do that is by having that unquenchable fire that the Holy Spirit puts in you. John the Baptist said, he said, there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, to bear. He said, he said that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that fire is without any question, extremely important. The Holy Spirit has come not only to fill us, not only to, to equip us, but also to put a fire on us that comes from the throne room of heaven. I've explained to you over the last few weeks as we've been in the series on the fire of God, you know, just how important the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is. And last week we spoke about how the Holy Spirit is represented by seven lamps of fire or the seven lamps on the single candlestick which represents the seven bowls of fire or seven spirits of God, which is the one Holy Spirit. If you're looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to go listen to the sermon, amen. But essentially, we need the Holy Spirit. He's the one who keeps us in intimacy and relationship with God. He's the one who draws us to the Father. No one comes to the Father unless He draws us. So we need to be drawn to the Lord. You know, the Bible says that after Jesus had been baptized, it actually says the, that the Spirit drove Him into the wilderness, you know, into a time of separation, into a time of consecration. We need to also be driven or, or, or drawn, driven or drawn to, to the presence of God to spend time with Him so that He can empower us to do what He has called us to do. We were not just called to be Sunday Christians, you know, sitting in church and it's wonderful and then we go about our business during the week. No, we were called to, to, be, to be disciples, to be light bearers, to be world changers. Amen. I'm so glad you're all so excited. All right. Let me get into my message this morning. Today, I am going to be teaching you about strange fire. Strange fire. We've been talking about the authentic fire, but I want to show you 
what the Bible says about strange fire. And there is most certainly a warning about this in Scripture that's very clear, but I think oftentimes, the, the, you know, I wanna try and give you as broad a picture as I can without giving you too much detail and keeping you here all day. Although this is the second service and I can take my time. <laughs> there's, no, there's no next service, you know. Amen. And I know how to lock the doors. I have people. Look at them. They're standing there. They're ready to lock the doors. In order for us to understand this properly, as last time I explained to you that there was in the tabernacle, the lampstand, which was in the holy place, which was where the seven lamps burned, which represent the, the, the seven expressions of the Holy Spirit. Those expressions, those fires had to be burnt and kept burning the whole time. That's not all that was in, in the, the holy place. We, we need to go back there to get a picture of what this really represents. So in order to understand that this, first of all, something I must explain to you. Let's go to Exodus 40, verse 33. Exodus 40, verse 33. It says, And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Essentially what this is telling us is that the, the tabernacle had been complete. Moses had finished building it according to the order that God had instructed. There is an order, there is, a, there is an order that God puts in place when it comes to his house. When it comes to connecting with him, there is an order that he has placed in, that he has put in place. And once Moses had finished, completed building this tabernacle according to the order that God had instructed, the Bible says in verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is so powerful. This is so beautiful. God's approval on what had been established comes down in His glory. He fills the place with His presence, with His glory, so much so that Moses can't even go into it because the glory is too strong, it's too thick. The tangible glory, presence of God is in the tabernacle. I want you to know that, that experiencing that glory, that presence is available to each and every one of us. And it's something that we should have a desire to go after. I believe that Moses wanted to go in, wanted to go in to encounter the Lord, but it was so thick that he couldn't even. There's another place in Scripture that says that the glory of the tabernacle was so thick that the priests fell down on the ground. There is the Bible for falling, Scripture for falling down, okay? <clears throat> it's so strong. That presence, that glory is so strong that they fell down. They couldn't stay on their feet because of that, that power, that, that presence of God. What's important for you to understand from this is that there was an order that God first established before He released His approval, which is His presence, His glory. Now, I explained to you last time about the lampstand in the holy place. But in order for us to understand this properly, we need to understand this, that outside of the holy place was the outer courts. And at the outer courts was what they called the brazen altar. Now the brazen altar was the place where sacrifices were made at the tabernacle around the, 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 the tent of meeting. There was the brazen altar where the sacrifices were brought 
on behalf of the people to atone them. And so what would happen was the priest would prepare these sacrifices and then they would then, what they would do then is they would take those, the coals from, that, from those sacrifices into the holy place and they would go into the holy place where there was an altar of incense built specifically for worship to God. That's really what it was built for. It was an altar of incense. Let me, let me show you a little, bit, a little bit more about this altar. I wanna show you from scripture where it says this, but I want you to imagine now, here's the lampstand you know, with the seven flames of the Spirit, the seven flames burning, and now there's this altar of incense where incense would be, would be, would be, would be brought towards, uh, in, in to, to God for worship, releasing this incredible, beautiful smell. Exodus 30 verse one says this, I'm not gonna read it all for you, but I want to show it where it's in the Bible. It says, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. Then let's jump to verse seven, Exodus 30 verse seven. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. He shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord through your generations. And you shall not offer, watch this now, you shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. This incense that was now going to release this fragrance was holy and consecrated, which again represents our prayers and our worship to God. But the only way that it could be, could be done would be in a specific order, in a specific way that God had prepared it. If you go to Exodus 30, are you guys still with me? Exodus 30, verse 37, he tells us about the consecration of this incense and that there was no, this incense could only be used for the specific purpose. Exodus 30, verse 37, but as for the incense, you shall make, the incense you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. So you must understand that this incense that, that now was burning that came from the coals of fire from the brazen altar. This is the only way this incense could be lit and set on fire so that it could burn and release this aroma. This incense was specifically made with a specifically order and could not be recreated for any other purpose except for worship to God. And so right at the end of Leviticus, just when, when, when the, the priests have done all their, 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 their preparations and everything is done. Let's go to Leviticus 9.23. I wanna show you what happens as they've done their priestly duties. It says, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering, the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So there you can see that that, 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 that coal, that coal of fire that was burning on the altar was lit on fire by the very, very fire of God that came from 
from his, probably from the mercy seat that came out, of, out and lit that fire, that flame on fire and they took that coal and that's what they used to light the incense. That's what they used. That fire was the fire that was used to light the, the, the lampstand. It was genuine, authentic fire that had been lit from heaven. It wasn't an imitation. It wasn't a copy. Are you guys with me? This was the real thing. And God had a prescribed order for its creation and for its use. And it had to be followed. This order had to be followed. And the only way that God would accept that fire was if it had come through that sacrifice which would bring the atonement. Are you guys with me? So it's very important that we, that we understand that. Now it's very interesting because right after this passage where the fire falls, there's just one thing I wanna show you before I move on here. I want you to see once the people saw this fire, once they saw what happened, the Bible says they shouted and they fell on their faces. Remember the fire, what it does is it, it ignites a passion, it ignites a zeal in you, and it also causes the junk to be burned off your life. It causes you to recognize the majesty and the awesomeness of, how, of who God really is. So the people fell down. They shouted, they celebrated, they rejoiced. They were, they were on fire, guys. And then when they saw this, they also fell down in reverence of who God really was. But right after this event, the Bible shows us or warns us through an event that takes place that is really interesting. Leviticus 10, verse number one. This is right after that story that I just read to you. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. Let's stop right there. Nadab and Abihu were the sons of Aaron. They were not instructed to do what they were about to do. They went and they took a censer and put fire in it. The coals or the fire that they took, we believe, did not come from the brazen altar, but they had taken some other fire. The Bible calls this profane fire. You see, it says there they put fire in it and put incense on it, which God rejected and offered profane fire before the Lord. The word profane in the Hebrew there means strange. It means different. One translation, they actually said an enemy or it is prohibited or forbidden. In other words, this fire that they, had now, that they had now offered to the Lord and lit the incense was not authentic. It did not come through God's divine order, but it was something that they had created and that they had offered to God. So the first thing we see is that they offered strange fire. I want you to see something. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about how when the prophet was in the presence of God, the Bible says that the, that the, that the robe, of his, the robe of, his, of, of his presence filled the temple, like the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And an angel went and took a coal, a coal of fire, just like the coal of fire that had been lit by the very presence of God on the brazen altar. 
This coal came from heaven. This coal was in the presence, in the throne room of God, taken and taken to the, the, the prophet and put on his lips. He says, woe is me, for I am undone in the presence of God. The fire changes him. The fire renews him and strengthens him. But in the presence of that fire, his heart is transformed. His heart is changed. Are you guys with me? That's what true authentic fire does. True authentic fire is not just an experience. Yes, the experience is wonderful, but the, tr the truth is we only find out what it really does when we see the fruit. They, when they ask Jesus about, about how do we know whether someone is authentic or not authentic, a prophet or a teacher or even a disciple, how do we know if they are authentic? He didn't say by the gifting or by the manifestations. He said we will know them by their fruit because true fire produces true fruit. Amen. These guys had offered unauthorized fire, which means that they probably took a burning coal or in their censer, which did not come from the brazen altar. They decided they were going to do it their own way. There are many today that want to do it their own way. They want to worship or get to worship or, or get the presence of God or bring the presence of God, whatever you wanna call it, and they wanna do it their own way. I want you to know, you cannot do it your own way. God has a prescribed order for us to encounter His presence, for us to encounter His fire. The fire that lit the incense had to come from that sacrifice. The only way that we can have a right to enter into the presence of God and experience that fire is through our sacrifice, Jesus. Just the, like they had to get a burning coal of fire from the sacrifice, so do we. There is no other way to access the fire of God. You cannot enter His presence through some saint. You cannot enter His presence through Mary. We honor Mary, we love Mary, thank God for Mary, but she is not God. And you cannot pray to her to access God. The only way we can worship and the only way we have access is through Jesus. And He has a prescribed order. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is no other way. There is no shortcut to the fire. There is no shortcut to the incense being released except those who have a desire to get into His presence. Because so many believe that the, that the comparison of the incense is really what worship is, bringing worship to God. Many have, have, have said that, you know, the way that we worship will reflect whether it's strange or true. No, the method in which we go to God without any question is a reflection of whether it will be strange or true fire. But the method in which we worship might be different. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. Not everybody is the same. If you go to Europe, if you go to, to Holland, everybody rides bicycles. It's different. If you walk on the sidewalk in Europe, they run you over if you don't get out the way. They don't stop, guys. They're crazy, those Dutch people. They really are. That's the way that they are, though. They eat different food to us in the morning. They live different. They, 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 they are different to us. 
our culture, our methods, the things we do, it's different. You must understand in the world today, worship is not the same everywhere. So much so that worship in this church will be different to worship in another church. The question is, are we getting to God? Are we doing it through Jesus? Are we spending time in His presence? Has our hearts been prepared to encounter Him? Have we opened our lives to Him? It's not, well, this way, you know, if we sing like this, if we, if we, if we only, you know, if we, we have to, you know, we have to do, it has to be worship for at least two hours, and, you know, if it's two hours, then, you know, then it'll be right, and it has to be, you know, it has to be free, it can only be free, or, you know, it, you know, it must only be hymns. If we do hymns, then it's authentic worship. You know, that's authentic. But, you know, these teenagers crying and weeping with their hands raised, that's not authentic. That's strange fire. Are you kidding me? It's got nothing to do with strange fire when someone truly with their whole heart comes before God, is in a place of order, understands the divine protocol that God has set in place for us to come before Him and to worship Him. These guys decided they were gonna do it their way. They weren't gonna go the correct way. So the first thing we see is that they offered a strange fire to God. The second thing I want you to see, let's read it real quick. Let's read from Leviticus 10, verse number two. Well, let's read number one first, and we'll pick it up. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. The second thing I want you to see here, the first thing is they offered profane fire, but then it says there that he says before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. In other words, they were not authorized to do this kind of offering. They were not authorized to do this type of ministry. The second thing that I've seen that produces false fire or strange fire is when someone tries to do something and God is not in it. You see, authentic fire is God. Strange fire is not God. These priests were not the high priest. God had ordained that the high priest would come before him and that, they would, that he would offer this type of worship. These priests, the Bible says that, it says that they, they had offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. We know that he, that he had commanded Aaron to do this type of, of offering. And so because they were illegal, strange fire was produced. There are many people today that want to do their own thing. They want to do it their own way. They don't want to be under authority. They don't want to be connected to the body. They want to go off and start something that God has not authorized, that God is not in. And guess what? If he's not in it, strange fire. You guys are awfully quiet this morning. You're all fine. Look at you. You're even in church. But I've seen it so many times. There is a divine order that God has set in place. But many times we wanna do it our own way. We don't wanna be under authority. We don't wanna serve. We don't wanna follow protocol. We don't wanna start from the bottom. 
We just want to be at the top. And the reality is, is God doesn't allow that. He has a divine order. They tried to do something that they were not called to do. They were trying to do something that they were not authorized to do. And when you do something you are not authorized to do in the body, it produces strange fire. I've seen this time and time again. People try and, and, and do their own thing. And then what they do is now they, they're not under authority, they're not connected, so they go from one conference to the next conference to try and get some anointing, some kind of impartation. And I'm, I'm not against going to conferences. I'm not against impartation. But guys, you have to be under authority if you wanna be in a position of authority. There is a divine order. Are you with me? And so what ends up happening is they do anything to produce power or anointing and then what they're producing isn't authentic but destructive. I've seen it time and time again. Well, you know, there's this deliverance ministry down the road, Pastor Alex. Who are they? Where do they come from? Who are they connected to? Oh, you know, Pastor Alex, this new home church movement has just begun or whatever it is has just begun and they're not connected. They're not part of anything. Do they, they, you understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, I'm just gonna start my own group. I'm gonna just do my own thing. The church, you know, the church is just so bad. No, you're illegal. I know somewhere in the world they would have given me an amen for that. <laughs> so the first thing is that they offered strange fire. The second thing is that they were illegal because they hadn't been authorized to do that. That's what produces strange fire because God is not in that. You with me? The interesting thing though is that that's not all that happened. Watch this now. Let's go back to Leviticus 10, let's pick it up in verse number two. We'll read it from there. Leviticus 10, verse two. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. This is what happened to these two, two priests. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. In other words, listen, if you want to do the work of the Lord, you must understand that He is almighty, that He is holy, that there is none like Him. The fear of the Lord has to be on your life. Clearly, these two guys took the presence, the glory of God in vain. They, they didn't fear God. They had no reverence for His instruction, for His order, thought they could do it their own way, and it ended up costing them. Aaron obviously is disappointed. This is his sons. Can you imagine? So, so Aaron held his peace because obviously Aaron is like, why, Lord, did you do this? But, but Moses says, listen, you know, you've got to fear the Lord. You can't play with this stuff. So Aaron holds his peace. Then Moses called Michelle and Ezephan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near. Carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out, to, out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and, and Eleazar and, and Tithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die and, the wrath, and, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house 
of Israel. Bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. I just want you to understand, I'm reading all this for a very important purpose. I need you to see it all, okay? You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And you did according to the word of Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, watch this now. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting. Why? Lest you die. It shall be a statute for a week. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Why? Why, Lord? Why should we not drink when we wanna go into your presence? That you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. I know half of you are only clapping, but that's okay. Because when we talk about strange fire, nobody talks about this part. But the truth is, is that it's there and it's in the context. And I honestly believe that there is a very good chance that perhaps those two individuals that had done this profane act, maybe they were intoxicated. I remember many, many years ago, many years ago, many, many, many years ago, <laughs> I took a beer, I was drinking a beer, I wasn't in ministry at this time. And I used to enjoy having one or two beers when I got home from work. I went and grabbed a beer. I sat down, I had a sip or two of the beer, of the beer sat down, I thought to myself, man, this is great. The edge is off, you know? You know what I mean? You know, come on, don't pretend you don't do it, okay? The edge was off, I was feeling great. Suddenly I heard the Holy Spirit because I was praying so much again. I was spending so much time with Him. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and He said to me, you will not be able to hear my voice this way. You will not hear me clearly. And I remember thinking to myself, well, there's no way. I remember I told my wife immediately, I said to her, listen, that's the last time I'm ever gonna drink because I cannot be in a place where I cannot determine what is holy and what is not. So I said, I'm done right there. And I put it away. I, I didn't drink again. Now listen, that's my conviction. I, I'm a priest. That's what I do. Are you with me? Now I'm not saying that you cannot drink. I cannot do that because the Bible does not tell you that you cannot drink. But I want to warn you, yes, I got an amen for that. Hallelujah. All right. But I want to tell you something. Don't think you can drink and be involved with the things of the Spirit. Don't think you can get drunk with wine and then think that all of a sudden you're going to be able to determine what's God and what isn't God. Come on, somebody. The Bible tells leaders in the church, even deacons, do not give in to much wine. Why? Because it's destructive, because it brings damage. Again, I'm not telling you, listen, two weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, someone got all upset with me because I said people shouldn't live together when they're not married. Well, I'm sorry, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says don't give in too much wine either. So don't get mad at me, I never said it. It's in the Word, guys, and it's there to help you. Why am I telling you this? Do you know how many ministers have lost their ministry because of drinking? 
Well, you know, I'll just take one sip and just to help, just one sip, just relax me a little bit. You know, just another one glass of wine, just one glass becomes two glasses. Two glasses becomes three glasses. Three glasses becomes one bottle. One bottle becomes two bottles, three bottles. And all of a sudden, they're getting drunk. That drunkenness ends up causing them to lose everything. I've seen it with my own two eyes. People who I've loved in ministry. I've seen the destruction that comes through alcohol. Sexual relationships that start, they're inappropriate because of alcohol. So I'm not a fan. But I will not tell you not to drink because the Bible doesn't do that. I cannot go against scripture. So I still love you, even if you have a glass of wine. I will even sit at your table while you drink wine, no problem, and not judge you at all. But the Bible also says this, watch. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting, the comparison that's used. Why? Because the reality is that many people will go to the bottle to bring peace, to bring comfort, to forget their problems, to bring some form of healing. And the Bible says, don't get drunk because it's temporary. It's not gonna last. But be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because He brings real change. He brings real healing. He brings, are you guys with me? There are, there are, there are ministries today that they, 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 they I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, don't wanna, I'm not judging, I'm not tr- judging, but you, know, you can't think your worship's gonna be better because you drink wine while you're writing your music. Ouch. So the reality is, is that these are warnings about the dangers of what happens when we don't do things according to God's order. So what's the key to identifying strange fire or making sure that you never enter into strange fire? I'm so glad you're asking. Jesus said, in Luke 12, 49, he said, I came to set fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Acts 2, verse three says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Luke 24, 32 says, and they said to one another, this was on the road to Emmaus, did our hearts not burn within us when he, opened, when, he, when he talked with us on the road while he opened up the scriptures to us? 2 Timothy 1, 6 says, this is why I rem- remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. There is an authentic fire that is available to each and every one of us. And if we choose to go to God with hearts that are open to Him, that we we don't come with preconceived ideas, but we don't do it through any means other than we recognize that Jesus is the Lamb that took away the sins of the world, that it's only through Him that we have access to this authentic fire, to the presence of God, to intimacy with Him, then we will enter into that authentic fire that will change your life. Your heart will begin to burn with passion. You will have zeal and, and, and desire to follow Him all the days of your life. And the things of this world will begin to grow dimmed for you. I 
I remember as a young man, after I had my first real encounter with the Lord, all I wanted to do was spend time with God. The, the problem was I wasn't theologized, theologized yet. I didn't know about all of this stuff that you're being taught right now. Nobody told me about the fire of God yet. No one explained it to me. No one showed it to me in scripture. I was still a baby Christian, but I had been touched in such a dramatic way that all I wanted to do was get back to that encounter. All I wanted to do, I remember after I had that encounter at the altar, all I wanted was somehow that it could happen at home. And I would be worshiping and praying and seeking the Lord for hours and for hours and for hours in my room. I didn't have a ministry. I, didn't, I was just a young boy, 18 or 19 years old. And I'm worshiping God and I'm worshiping God. And all of a sudden, my hands are raised. I'm on my knees in the room. And all of a sudden, my hands begin to burn. So much so that they were like almost in pins and needles. And it wasn't because I held my arms up for long. How do I know? I tried everything to get it off my hands. It wasn't scary or anything. I just was like, well, I just want to make sure this is like, this is amazing. What is this? My hands are burning. My chest is on fire. I feel the presence and the fire of God. And I'm trying to get this off. I go outside to, my, to, the, to the faucet. I turn the faucet off. Where I come from, it's a sink. It makes more sense. I turned this tap on and the sink, the faucet, whatever you call it, and the water was coming out. And I'm going like this, trying to see if this is definitely real. And it didn't go away. One hour passed. Two hour passed. My hands are still burning and tingling. I get in the car and I drive to youth. I arrive at youth, and as I arrive at youth, I go to my youth pastor and my youth leader, and I loved both of them so much, and that we sat down and began to pray for the meeting, and my hands were still burning, so I said to them, guys, this afternoon while I was praying, my hands began to burn, and they're still burning, and they were so excited for me. I'm like, what's going on? I don't understand this yet. I've never been taught this, and so I get up from it, we're going to the meeting, and that was the first night that God ever used me. I began to pray for people. I was the oil bearer. I still am. Amen. I used, to, I used to hold the oil for the pastors while they would pray for people. And I loved it. I loved to be there and watch when someone would be touched by the Holy Spirit. When someone would be filled with the Spirit, I didn't need to do the praying, I just wanted to hold the oil. But that night while I was holding the oil for Pastor Kevin and walking from one individual to the next, he said, Alex, put down the oil, I want you to pray. God has done something with you tonight, I want you to pray for people. So I began to pray and I remember the first person I laid hands on was a young man, I even remember the word I gave him. I gave him a word, I don't know where it came from. And it just came and I, and I began to give him this word, it was so powerful. And my life changed because I'd been branded with this fire that came from heaven. And I want you to know, I don't even know how many years ago, this was 1999. It's now 2024 and here I am and that fire is still burning. That fire is still burning bright in my heart. And it keeps me hungry and it keeps me thirsty. And I walk in the fear of the Lord, not because I'm anything great, but because I recognize where that fire comes from. I understand that He is a holy God, that there is none like Him. There are no shortcuts, guys. There are no recipes. There is only one way and His name is Jesus. And if you fall in love with Jesus and have a relationship with Him, I want you to know the fire will fall on your life. 
just like the Bible says that He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and then you will never be the same again. You will be branded with fire all the days of your life and then you will go out into the world and you will let your light shine and you will not be put under a, under a bush. You will, not be, you will not be hidden, but your light will shine. And then what will happen is those that are filled with darkness, they will come because they will be attracted to the light. And when they see that light, the Bible says that darkness cannot comprehend it. And you will be a person that sets the captive free. You will be a person that sets hearts ablaze. You will be a person that's, that will see people fall in love with Jesus because of the fire that comes from the coals of heaven that burn bright in your life. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Yes! Oh! Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah, Lord. There is no quick fix. There is no quick method. It's only the blood that qualifies you. You don't have to do anything for it. It's already done for you. But will you go to Him? Will you go into the Holy of Holies? Will you go into His presence? And will the incense burn off you because you choose to be a true worshiper? The Bible says that He is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. He is looking, He is looking. The one thing that God is looking for is those that will worship Him in spirit and truth. And when you worship Him in spirit and truth, the fire falls, the fire falls that burns out the junk in your life. That sin you can't deal with, the fire burns it out because your zeal and your passion for God becomes stronger and stronger and ever more increasing. And I want you to know the devil will do everything he can to put that fire out but it's your responsibility, your responsibility to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. The Holy Spirit is your best friend waiting to lead you, waiting to guide you, waiting to help you, waiting to show you things to come. He's the one waiting for you. All you have to do is, here I am, Holy Spirit. Here I am, Lord Jesus, send me, take me, use me, for I'm a man with unclean love but my eyes have seen the coming King. My eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Father, I pray this morning in this place that you will touch our lives. Lord, I need your fire. I wanna be filled with your fire every day, God. Even your disciples knew that they needed your spirit. They needed you. After they'd been filled with the spirit on the day of Pentecost, as persecution came, as things get difficult, what did they do? They went back up to the room. And the Bible says that the place that they were in was shaken as they prayed. And the fire fell. The place was filled. The place was filled with the spirit. They were all filled with the spirit. I believe when they were filled with that spirit, with the spirit, of, that fire from the spirit ignited their hearts again. And the Bible says they went out and preached boldly the word of God. Boldly the word of God. Father, we love you. We need you. Baptize us, God, with your Holy Spirit and with your fire. I don't want an imitation. I don't want to create anything, Lord. I need you. We need you.
we need your presence. We need your fire. Fill us, Lord. Change us, God. Remove the stuff that shouldn't be there and let us shine for you. Let our lives shine for you. I pray this morning for everyone in this place and even those watching online that your fire will fall on them, Lord. Right now, I pray that that fire fall now in their lives. In Jesus' name. As you lead us towards the Holy Spirit Fire Conference this year, Lord, let it be a time of visitation. Let our lives never be the same again. We honor you and we love you in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. Amen. You know, over the years, you know, I try so hard not to be religious, but it comes so easy. Because man has a tendency to think we know how to do things. But just be led by the Spirit and obey the, 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 the fullness of God's Word. His, His Word is our authority. The fullness of the Scriptures, the whole Bible, the apostolic doctrines, the, the Old Testament, the Word of God as a whole. Follow it with your whole heart, guys. And you will never walk in error. Be led by the Holy Spirit. You will never be led to error. And keep that authentic fire burning and you will never be led into error. Amen. I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week. God bless you, Father. Bless them as they go this morning. Keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Give them favor. Bless them in everything they do. Give us peace that surpasses understanding. And let the joy of the Lord be their strength as they leave today. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.